Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Alright, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast. Kevin and Chuck. Um, so we're continuing our, uh, uh, why to say basics of prepping series, basically, um, or introduction to prepping. And today I want to talk about like homesteading and not necessarily just, you know, all the complete, like crazy off grid life of what you can do and, and self-reliant. I mean, that's definitely a direction that most preppers, including myself tend to move, But basically, how we can make our property more self-reliant, you know, where we can take care of our all our own needs and different things we can do to move in that direction. I mean, that's where people, you know, if you're prepared, well, the best way to be prepared is to be in control. And the best way to be in control is when you take care of and provide your own stuff. You know, obviously you can't affect when the trains and the trucks run. You can't affect when the grocery store is going to be open. You can't affect your local power grid. You can't affect the gas pipeline coming into your house, but you can affect what's in your control on your property. And that's where homesteading really becomes a big part of, you know, self-reliance and, you know, and, and being prepared. Um, cause basically the more things you have control over, 
the more you know prepared you're going to be. Now, it's nice to have the redundancy of those supplies coming from town and whatever, you know, having a, a sewer system and, and all these things. But obviously, living in town comes with government regulations of what you're allowed to do. It has, you know, regulations on, you know, basically your freedom. You know, if you want to have a couple of chickens in the backyard, that might be a problem if you live in town, but it might not be a problem if you live out in the country. And obviously, you know, depending what state you choose and and where you end up really affects what you do. I mean, location is, is kind of the first anchor. Like when you choose where you live, that's, you know, what's going to affect what you're able to do and accomplish. So Kevin, you had some insight on uh, what type of uh, things we should look for when choosing our property or our home? Yeah, I was actually looking at, uh, at, at some of the states that are the best, uh, best suited for homesteading. Um, now most of them are ones that you would, you would guess, you know, uh, Oregon, Maine, Michigan, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Alaska. Exactly. Exactly. One that kept popping up that surprised me though was Connecticut. Um, they said that it's, no, they said that, that it's, it's, perfect for for almost all the things that you need as far as climate goes accessibility to water um not having a a lot of potential for for natural disaster one of the big the only big problem connecticut has is the property is expensive and the taxes are high so you know it it has all the features you need except for that you know that big chunk of money that the state's going to try and take out of your pocket every every year you know having cash Um, left over right but that's one of the main things to focus on is is you know what what you are planning for and what you want to focus on you know um if you have a big chunk of money and you want to start homesteading maybe connecticut might be the place to start um but there are, there are five basic things that you should be looking for when you're looking for a property, right? And, and the first one is property cost, right? How much land can you get for, uh, for your, your dollar? Um, homesteading on a quarter of an acre is almost impossible. You know, you need to have a little bit of space to, to you know, do any of the stuff you're wanting to do, especially if you're going to be grazing animals, um, you know, like free range chickens, goats, um, pigs or, or, uh, or livestock, you know, cows, um, you're going to need a little bit of space for them to, to graze. Uh, you also have to want to be conscientious that if you're going to have taxes coming in every month, that it's not going to, you know, just suck all, you know, everything out of your pockets until you're completely, you know, bankrupt and, and you can't even feed the animals you have on your property to take care of yourself. One of the other big things I would think about, I think about with location is, is safety. By that, I mean, um, like natural disaster or uh, droughts, things like that, wildfires. Those are things you want to think about when you're selecting a property, right? Uh, accessibility to water is a big thing too. Uh, I know I just mentioned drought, but, um, if you're going to be raising crops, you're going to want to have, you know, you, you're going to want to look into the annual rainfall of a certain area. Um, 
if you're focusing on on raising tomatoes and that's your shit, uh, don't buy a big chunk of land in Arizona. Maybe you know, maybe or at least at least pay attention to the chunk you're buying. There are certain parts of Arizona that aren't as arid as others, but it's uh, something to keep in mind. Um, you also want to look at climate. You know what I mean? Are you going to have a big enough window of warm weather to actually graze? You know, to raise raise crops. Um, also when it comes to animals, you know, chickens are, are great, but they don't lay eggs all year round, you know, during the colder months, they're not going to be laying as much. So you want to think about that, you know, if, you know, if you're in Northern Canada, chickens might be a difficult, you know, a difficult thing to keep up with. Yeah. Um, now another thing that doesn't you know it's not really my my bag but a lot of people that do homesteading are into is is homeschooling now some states are not very good for homeschooling some states are you know make it very difficult to do that uh if you want to be in control of the type of education that your kids are getting um you have to do it yourself you know it's really when a school when a when a town is providing free education then they get to decide what your kids are being taught and, you know, that's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of garbage being taught in a lot of schools in this country. And it's, you know, you, you, you really want to be on top of it. If you have little kids, you want to be on top of what they're learning and what they're, you know, what they're dealing with every day in day-to-day actions. You can't, uh, when your kids are going to school, you can't, you know, be involved in every aspect of their education. Right. And, uh, you know, some people that's a big concern for them and uh, just something to think about. No, exactly. Um, There is so much that, you know, with where you choose, that's going to matter. I mean, I know when I I bought my house, it's all right. When my mortgage is paid off, what, you know, what are my taxes? What are my expenses going to be? You know, if this is your like long-term retirement plan, you know, how much is it going to, you know, come into effect? And there are so many like city ordinances and, and laws in so many places that and you know how much is it changing you know even though something might be cool right now no a lot of laws are like grandfathered in where all right you already had chickens and stuff you can keep them when we right. change our law but sometimes it's not and mm-hmm. you know you you really run the risk of you know what could happen and and where you are but obviously we have to work in the world we live in i mean there is no fantasy you know, perfect place. You can't overthink it where, you know, you never take action. You know, you never move into the, you know, something because you're like, well, it could end bad. You know, it's not a hundred percent perfect. You know, definitely where I chose to live is, you know, it meets 85, 90% of the things on my checklist, but it didn't meet a hundred, you know, and that's, but I had to pick, all right, I, I want a place where I can make a job, you know, make a living and, and, you know, have good income coming in because you can make an, an income and doing with farming and stuff and being 100% self-reliant off the land, but you're never probably going to be rich unless you're really smart or have a, you know, a great way to do it. You're not going to be, you know, driving new cars and doing whatever, at least not for a long time of establishing it. I think it'd be really naive to think that you're just going to roll into something. But if you're willing to live 
very humbly and and start up. Can you live off the land if you do some different tricks? Yeah, I think you can. Um, you know, that's something to consider. But uh, you know, like I wasn't down for that. So I chose a place where land was affordable, taxes were very reasonable. Um, land freedom was, you know, very prevalent, you know, where I could pick and choose what laws, you know, in my community were going to be, you know, relevant to me, you know, if things were a concern, I would avoid it, that kind of thing. So I was able to find, you know, the income and the property and stuff that match it to meet the lifestyle that I want. And that's what you should all be doing. But enough about that. I don't want to, you know, go down a road of crazy town here. But all right. So the next thing is what kind of things can we do to make our property self-sustaining or, you know, uh, you know, be able to to manage itself and and take care. Like what one of the big concerns is food, right? Food for my family. And I want to be able to get it. Well, one of the biggest steps that I took that was really easy and really uh, beneficial is chickens. Chickens are very low maintenance. They're messy. They kind of crap all over the place. Um, you don't want them hanging out at your back door, which they sometimes do and, and you know, crapping all over the place. But you could decide whether they're kind of penned up. The more free range they are, one, the better they're going to help out with ticks and bugs and things right. like that, which I find is worth the trade-off. Um, the amount of ticks and stuff that I had in my yard when I got here was unacceptable to me. And, mm -hmm. you know, where I'm at now because of the chickens is is definitely worth the trade-off of having chip, chickens wandering around and making noises. Uh, some chickens are quieter than others. That's mm -hmm. something to consider. I know you're thinking roosters, but actually it's not even the roosters that are the problem. It's you get it's usually the more exotic breeds, the ones that look funny or whatever and are cool. Right. When they lay an egg or get stressed out about something, they're squawking for 20 minutes and you're like, shut up. I don't care. I don't mm -hmm. want to hear your mouth anymore. Um, you know, but that that's the kind of thing. So that's something to consider. Um, uh, something I keep like kicking around is uh, rabbits. Rabbits are an amazing supply of meat and you know how fast they turn over and the quality of meat and benefit of, you know, people do things with the hides and all kinds of stuff. Rabbits are awesome, but rabbits are a lot of work. Um, Cause you got to figure you have to skin an animal for a small. Now, is it easier to clean a rabbit than a chicken? Yes. All day. Um, you can, you know, skin a rabbit pretty quick, but if you're doing 20 rabbits to take to the farmer's market, that's going to be some work. You know, it's not going to be a, you know, that's more of a full-time thing. If you're the guy going to work, probably not the extra challenge you want to take on. Whereas if you're the guy trying to make the, uh, the property, uh, you know, self-sufficient and make an income and you do have time then rabbits might be an excellent choice for you. Um, getting like a certified kitchen, again, inviting the government onto your property and being able to sell those rabbits at, you know, at the market or whatever is going to be, you know, a real financial benefit. So something to consider. 
But again, it all comes at a trade-off because you're inviting government into your life and there is some overhead and expenses, you know, that come with that. Another thing that might be cool on the food is uh, we've talked about aquaponics and having fish and that kind of thing. That's again, another great resource, but again, it's a big time consumer. So if you're self-reliant, if you're looking at all your income coming off your property, that's an awesome idea that you might want to look into just like the rabbits, but it's going to be something that takes time. Whereas if you're working 60 hours a week, maybe a bit of a challenge to pull that off. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that's something you got to weigh out. Um, Obviously cows, pigs, pigs come with some smells and some mess. Um, Cows, cows. The thing is you need to be bringing in outside hay and stuff. I kind of worry about, the self-reliant aspect of it, unless you have a large amount of land. Right. Um, if you're able to grow your own hay or, you know, have enough grazing land for the cows, then that's awesome. And that's again, somewhere you want to be. Mm-hmm. But if you can't, you know, that's another thing. Um, milk and dairy, right? If you don't do the cows, uh, goats are a great option. Goats again, come with another set of headache and things you got to, you know, deal with. I think you could definitely pull off a job and have goats. I mean, I'm sure people do it all the time. Right. But they slightly raise the level of involvement. Right. Um, I think chickens go down on the easiest and then these things kind of step up. You know, maybe maybe it's like chickens, goats, rabbits, and then, you know, in the cattle and pigs and things like that. Um, but being able to and again if you're going to get into this, it's, you're going to learn to maybe butcher all this stuff yourself. Now, a lot of people will not butcher their own cattle. Um, cause those animals are big and it's work. Um, it's also a commitment again, the infrastructure that comes with it of having freezers and stuff. I was talking to a guy yesterday and he's telling me, you know, Oh, I have a building that I just set up so I could do like a meat market and all this stuff on my farm. People could come and buy. And he goes, and once I put all my freezers in there, I have no room to really run a meat market or do anything. And now I'm building a second building because it's, you know, once I have the volume of meat that I'm looking to move, then I don't have any, you know, space left over. That's just something to consider, right? It all keeps building and escalating. And right. I hate to say it, you have to kind of do some volume to turn into profit. You mm-hmm. know, um, definitely you can find your right niche and niche and uh be creative and, and find ways to, you know, turn a, a low cost crop into, you know, a high dollar uh, return. People do it all the time, but you know, you got to be creative. You got to be putting some time in some research and, uh, you know, into how to really do things. Um, another thing that is huge on, on the homestead, like Kevin had mentioned earlier is water. Water is so crucial to all this stuff. Um, being able to have some redundancy, uh, having town water again is not going to work if you're paying to, uh, you know, water your fields and everything every day, 
it's almost impossible. Uh, I'm sure that place exists where they bring water to you and it's almost free, but I haven't seen it. Um, I do know that, you know, you're going to need to have some serious wells on the property to be able to, you know, maintain and, and keep up with stuff. But again, it's all relative. You know, if you have the small one acre garden plot acre or smaller, you might be able to do it with your residential well and, and not a big deal. But as you get in, uh, you know, 20 acres of farmland, you might want to, you know, think of, hey, how am I going to supply water to this? This stuff really matters, you know, then it, mm -hmm. it really makes a big difference. Yeah. Now, one um, of the one of the things that uh, you might want to look at if you do have don't have access to a pond or a stream or any kind of body of water on your property is uh, rain catching uh, rain catchment. Right. Um, there's a lot of systems out there where you can just line up, you know, the gutters and, and things like that uh, to capture rainwater and uh, reuse it. Now, if you live in a drier area and you're not getting a lot of rain and you don't have a body of water on your on your property, you know, you're, you're going to be in a tough spot. You're going to be in a tough spot if you can't really provide enough water and you don't have access to free water. Um, like you were saying, it's one it's fine, you know, to have town or city water. Um but you're going to be paying for it, you know, versus uh, versus being able to, to capture it for free and, and store, you know, yourself. Now, when it gets into to water and, and water use, um, that's really important for um, for any sort of animal you're raising. But it's also important. It's also necessary for any sort of gardening you're going to be doing. And. Uh, to do, you know, homesteading properly, providing your, you know, providing food and, and uh, that sort of stuff for your family, you're going to need to raise some of your own vegetables. Now, some people are really into this, you know, they get, they get deep and, and have, you know, massive amounts of food coming out of their garden. Some people just have, you know, herb gardens and, and some basic staples, you know, corn or, or tomatoes or whatever it is. Um, However you like to do your gardening, um, you're going to want to upscale. You're going to have to upscale a little bit if you're going to actually make it, you know, enough to, to, you know, subsidize some of the food coming into your house. And you're also going to have to focus on uh, doing some canning and some pickling, um, which is it's not an easy thing to do. And it can be expensive unless you're doing it on a large scale. And it's going to be expensive the first couple of years you do it, you're not going to be making money by doing the canning and, and pickling yourself until you get good at it and until you have all the supplies ready to go. You know, you can reuse a lot of those cans and jars, um, but the outset is going to be you're going to be putting some money out to, to start stocking up on that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, you that's the big thing. Um one of the things I'm experiencing with my own property is now while I'm still working outside the property and doing that, I'm really focusing on the infrastructure and, and things like that. And, you know, really building it up so that when I have less money coming in, as I get closer to, you know, retirement or that kind of thing, I can be self-reliant where the heavy cost has already been laid out, you know, the tractor, the, you know, I have a, have a trailer and different implements for the tractor, uh, maybe the upkeep on the buildings, you know, 
doing that roof that's going to last you 30 years or something, you know, getting those things handled before money becomes tight is going to really pay off. You know, uh, another thing that really works, uh, as far as making a homestead work and a property more self-sufficient is not getting into debt. Uh, you know, right. that's a big part of self-reliance. And I think it really becomes critical and should be mentioned when you talk about homesteading, because that's a dangerous road. You know, people watch all these happy videos and whatever, and they think, oh, I need everything all at once. And that's the way a lot of people approach a lot of things in life is I want it now. You know, that's kind of our society and, and how we've set things up. But by moving slower, not buying new cars and having a car payment, not, you know, getting into trouble, not buying all the things that, you know, every fancy uh, idea we have, you got to kind of pace yourself. Um, you know, if you're having issues with that, like, you know, that Dave Ramsey and stuff like that, I have some great ideas on how to get around it if you're already in debt and how to uh, kind of stay out of it. Kind of boring and not so sexy topic. It's like, it's like running for president and saying, yeah, I want to stop spending and cut all the programs. Nobody wants to vote for that. Nobody's like, yeah, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. um, but just the same. Those are kind of some of the hard truths that end up becoming an issue and and you may want to consider. So definitely something to keep in mind to build it up slowly and at your own, you know, at the pace that's appropriate, that's going to be sustainable. Um, you know, they always say farmers need to know their numbers and, and that's a big thing. And that's really any business and really even, you know, when your family is kind of like a business, you have your own budget for your family. It really is crucial in any aspect of life to know the numbers, you know, realize what you can afford, what's coming in and what's going out. Being self-reliant, that's a big part of it. Uh, being able to take care of yourself. Um, I know we see people do bankruptcy and all this stuff. And damn, if it doesn't seem like there's very little consequence to their actions, you know, we seem to live in a world where it doesn't really matter what you do. You kind of, you know, there, there's always some kind of safety net out there for you. But, you know, keep in mind what you're doing and, and how it's going to affect things long term. And realize the uh, the free gravy train from the government may not be a uh, permanent thing. You know, I, I feel like you can't keep spending into oblivion, but they keep proving me wrong, you know, over and over again. So, you know, who knows? Maybe it is possible, right? You know, um, history suggests otherwise, but, you know, hey, teach his own. Um, so anyway, redundancy with the water is a big thing. You need to find a way to uh, be able to get that water, even if the power was out or something like that, and having some kind of backup. Now, you're not going to do massive gardening with a hand pump well or something, that's not really going to, you know, pay off. Um, but you may be able to implement some solar stuff or wind power for your well that you might be able to, you know, these are directions to head towards, you know, it's not, you know, it's not in everybody's budget and that's the bottom line, but you want to, you know, find ways to make it that you can kind of take care of on your own. Um, 
having land to hunt or being able to trap, understanding the critters on your property. Um, there's a lot of predators that come after your livestock. Predators kind of are there. There's also a lot of predators that come after your vegetables and your crops. Yeah. Um, that's something, you know, and even it doesn't all have to be, you know, rifles and whatever. It might also be how to deal with bugs and how to deal with, these are things that have a learning curve. And guess what? The things that are a threat to your garden this year might not be the same things that are a threat to your garden next year. You know, you don't know how many times, you know, nature is unpredictable and it kind of has cycles in the way things work. And, you know, you always think, oh, well, I've never had that before. You know, we've been here five years and I never had this predator. Yeah, that happens. Um, just when you think you have something mastered. Um, I think that's where redundancy kind of comes into play and not having, you know, a complete dependence on one thing because it's always possible that something might fail or fall apart, you know, even fire or something worse, you know, a big tornado or a bad storm could come in and wipe out a crop that you think you have secure. Um, right. Fences and might fail frost. and animals yep. get out, whatever, any of these things. Mm -hmm have a plan, have, you know, try and build up some safety nets into your budget. I mean, again, that's the prepping thing. Um, now you might not all be able to do animals and, and, uh, you know, big garden areas, supplementing a garden in a small area is better than not doing anything. But again, maybe then you're the guy who has more food storage, you know, maybe you need to focus a little bit that way. And you can kind of build things up. Yeah, one of the um, one of the things with uh, with um, growing your own garden uh, is is being able to use that food for a longer period of time. We talked about pickling. Um, we talked about canning. Uh, another good idea for that is uh, uh, a root cellar. Uh, root cellars are pretty basic layouts. Uh, you you basically want at least three walls, you know, facing underground. Uh, best best bet would be to just dig straight down, dig a hole, um, you know, line it, line the walls, and and have a, an access from above where you can get down in there, and and you can really store, you know, especially things like cabbage and things like that will last for months. Um, and another another idea for that is is smoking meats, smoking and drying meats. Um, that's a real skill, though. That's something you can't just jump into and and you know get it right on the first try. You're gonna have to really uh, read some books on it, read up on it, and and do some practice on it. Uh, you don't want to waste a lot of meat by making a mistake. Um, one thing I wanted to go back uh, to pickling real quick. We were talking about eggs and how how. Uh, Chickens don't lay eggs for, for, you know, a portion of the, the colder portion of the year. Um, you can pickle eggs, but if you've ever eaten a pickled egg, you know that it's not something you want to eat. So try it out if you want, but uh, I'd recommend against it. It tastes like shit. It's really not something you want to be, you want to be consuming in the middle of the winter if you can help it. Now, another thing that, that you had mentioned on is uh, having having a property you, that you can hunt on uh, is foraging for food. You know, 
there's a lot of places where, you know, if you know what you're looking for, you can go out in the woods and feed yourself uh, and your family for, you know, for, you know, a few days out of the out of the month, depending on, you know, what you've got on that property. You know, things like chestnuts and walnuts, um, those types of trees, um, apple trees and, and fruit trees like that. Um, if you design your property uh, for foraging, then you can really add a lot of resources to your land. Yes. So, um, you know, that's, that's another, if you want to really get option. hardcore, right. If you want to get really hardcore and get into that and keep where, um, there's a book, uh, out there called the secret garden of survival. And basically they're setting up their property to be low maintenance and, you know, have a yield. I know the guy who does it, uh, I think it's Rick Austin, maybe, I don't know. I, I don't remember a hundred percent, but, uh, basically they're pulling like five gallon buckets of food out of the woods every day. And, you know, that's something you could work towards. And it took some time and some setup and definitely some planning and the book's not cheap, but it really has some genius ideas and some really, you know, great ways to implement it. Um, Again, animals are going to have their way with, you know, the stuff going in your woods. It's funny. I keep finding uh, wild grapes growing in my woods and I always have tried to grow grapes and, and make that a thing. And, and I could never pull it off. And then I'm going through and I keep seeing grapes on the the trail when I'm going through the woods and I'm like, what the hell? I may have just plowed over them as I was clearing out the trail this week, but I know uh-huh. that there are wild grapes growing all over my property and that that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've tried yeah. grapes several years and it, it keeps growing, but it's just, oh, yeah. it's, it's one of those vegetables. That. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, not vegetables. It's one of those plants that, that um, bugs and, and stuff really love to, yes. to destroy. You know, you really have thing to is, do a lot of focus on, on keeping the bugs out of them because they just love tearing that stuff up. Right. Well, that's it. The reason I didn't recognize I had wild grapes sooner is because I'd see two grapes. I don't see the big cluster hanging down. Right. Because the animals are just gone, gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yep. it, it's funny. There's a lot of old established farms around where I am. And of course, my property was an old established farm too, but it was a tobacco farm. And that's really all, uh, you know, that went on mm-hmm. here. But, uh, when you go through, like, I'll go to these places, uh, you know, where they have blueberry bushes and you can walk through and they're pulling five gallon buckets of blueberries. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. any blueberries I've ever done where I'm like, yeah, I can get two cups out of there. You know, these yeah. guys are just like, hey, you know, could you come over and just take some of my blueberries? Because I don't know what to do with it because I have like 55 gallon buckets of blueberries and it's just getting awkward. Um, right. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing, but something like that comes with time, you know, people with really established apple trees and things like that, you know, you'll have where it's just a continual bounty, but these are something that don't happen in one year and two year and three year. These are things that happen over 15, 20, 30 years, you know, where they really become established and, you know, you produce such a great yield that it even is more than the animals are able to take away from you. So that's mm-hmm. something to work towards. Uh, that's where that, you know, uh, 
secret garden of survival, that kind of thing. They, uh, you know, have a lot of that kind of stuff going on where you can kind of put the, the trees and the, the vegetables and that kind of thing together where they can, you know, end up working with the environment. So something to, you know, think about the next thing, like tools and stuff like that. You know, I know I kind of touched on it with the tractor and like that, but as you start to work the land and utilize stuff on your property, you'll realize that there are certain hoes out there that you can buy that are a lot better or different things that really, you know, can make life so much easier. Uh, to be honest, you know, the tractor makes things a lot easier being able to man five gallons of gas or five gallons of diesel actually in my tractor makes so much difference, you know, in what I can get done. So, you know, me spending 25 bucks or whatever, I can go so far with it and get so much work out of it and save my back is the honest answer. And, you know, things right. like that, you'll realize what tools are appropriate for you. Now, if you're on an acre, it's not going to matter. You probably don't need the tractor, probably a bad investment. You can do a lot more with that money. But mm -hmm. if you had, you know, 10 or 20 or 50 or 100, you know, the tractor stuff like that is going to make a big difference. Um, right. Having a four wheeler or something like that, getting around the property might be the right investment. You know, it depends how big it is and, and what you're doing, but being able to carry tools or head out to a back area and check it out, you know, these kind of things matter. Um, I try and keep it that I can just barely squeeze the pickup truck, like around the whole property, you know, on the, the back trails and they're really kind of like four wheeler trails. And I usually use the tractor and push some trees out of the way to make it that I can get the truck through. I don't know. I took the antenna off the truck yesterday going back through, but it happens. <laughs> Those things happen, man. You know, um, now a lot of, one of the other things that, uh, you know, um, I think it's uh, overlooked a lot, especially in modern society, because, uh, we're so focused on, you know, watching TV and celebrities and what people are wearing and shit. You can make you your like own clothes. It's, it's not that difficult. You're not going to see uh, you're not going to see a lot of celebrities walking uh, the runway in you know a dress they made at home. You know that's just not the case. But if you can make your own clothing, you know right there you're you're going to be saving a lot of money right off the bat. Um, you know there's a lot of stuff that you can't necessarily make for home. There's from home. There's a lot of uh, a lot of modern uh newer fabrics that are really great for for outdoor use um not really easy to work with though at home um but for for basics you know there's a lot you can do um i know uh i know my grandmother used to uh, not my grandmother my uh my wife's grandmother used to make uh wool socks and you know that's a that's a great deal you know it's great having something like that uh, where you can make it at home. You don't have to go out and spend some money on, on some of that stuff. And if you can, you know, if you, if you're handy that way, if your wife's handy that way, or, you know, Hey, no judgments, you know, there are some guys that are really good at, at, at sewing, nothing wrong with that. But if you can put, you know, patch your own clothes and, uh, you know, even produce your own clothes and blankets, things like that, then you can save a lot of money that way. And it's, you know, it's, 
a reasonable way to uh, invest your time and money, especially you know when the weather's not cooperative, and yet you end up having to be inside and and do stuff like that. Um, it's a great way to spend spend that extra time that you can't use outdoors. You know when you get a uh, you know rainstorm going on, or you know it's the dead of winter and everything's everything's dead and buried in snow. Um, you know there's other ways like that that you can save a little bit of money here and there on on you know necessities. Don't worry, my wife's out starting seeds all winter long and every freaking. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, so sewing, uh, there's some other things like blacksmithing, different things like that. Some other skills you can kind of pick up, and these become big acts. Stonework. Um, these become big assets in bartering. And that's another thing. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but uh, there's some inflation going on. I know our government would like to pretend that that's not happening. Um, There were a bunch of studies that printing money like fucking crazy has no effect and that Milton Friedman was an idiot. But Mm -hmm. if you go out to eat at a restaurant, you might notice that, dude, I went to Waffle House and breakfast Uh was $30 for me and the wife. Two of us. Yeah, that's crazy. $30. And I don't know if you guys have eaten at Waffle House, but it's not that good. It really, <laughs> it's no. not gourmet, is it? It's yeah, not they're gourmet. They're certainly not I know spending I that $30 on, on keeping things clean. You know, that's for sure. Right. And the guy's like, yeah, I saved you $15 off the bill. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, it's, mm-hmm. and it was because basically he was trying to cheat his company. So that way I'd give him a bigger tip. Uh-huh, but, uh, right. Yeah, that that's not really that cool. Um, so anyway, my point is, there is actually some inflation going on, even though you guys might find that hard to believe. Um, bartering or trading and even trading skills mm-hmm. may be something you can do. Um, right. I think I need to learn how to make cigars if I have the big tobacco property, right? It's not just a... That's right. That, that seems like some kind of badass cigars, right? Uh-huh. Um, but maybe it's stonework, maybe it's mechanic work, maybe you're a carpenter, electrician, whatever skills, things you do. I mean, honestly, on a homestead, people typically kind of have to be a jack of all trades and kind of master a whole bunch of skills. But you might find that you can, you know, my wife actually has a, a pretty good size uh, flower farm going on here. And what she does, like we were, we'll go to the farmer's market. And they'll trade freaking, uh, you know, we're getting hamburger. Oh, here's three pounds of hamburger for those flowers you gave me. You know, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And it's like, hey, I'll take burger over flowers any day of the week. But, you know. Right. Teach his own, right? Um, Yeah. That's kind of thing, you know. So if you produce or possibly create, you know, use your skills a little bit or things you have. You know, eggs. I I give away eggs. Uh, my wife sells eggs at the, at the farmer's market as well. But, um, you know, to us, it's like, Oh, who cares? You know, but to other people who don't have farm fresh eggs, it's kind of a a neat thing and they really like it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, these things have value is my point. And being able to, you know, trade what you can't do, maybe it's honey, maybe it's, you know, like I said, it's beef for some people, you know, they have tons of, cows and whatever and that meat always has value but you know uh i know i talked to one of the guys and he just makes a ton of money just doing hay 
and hay is a big thing for, you know, mm-hmm. the farmers need it. Uh, so being able to work together and utilize that skill of bartering, making the connections. I know a lot of people feel isolated. Uh, one of the things, you know, I know my wife got into the the farmer's markets and stuff like that. That ended up really creating a community. Uh, sometimes people get it through homeschooling. You know, they'll have these homeschooling groups, uh, different things like that. But when you interact with other people with the same type of mindset as you, you end up with other people and you start to find out their needs. You know, I know my wife was like, hey, why don't you, uh, can we load up the tractor and take the tiller over to, uh, you know, somebody else's house and till their field? And again, that's providing a huge value for somebody else where it's nothing for me. It doesn't take any, you know, real effort. Yeah, I drive the tractor on, go over for four hours, cost me about four bucks in diesel and maybe, maybe seven, eight bucks in gas. But I can go change their world. You know, I just saved 30, 40 hours of labor for them. That has value. Right. Um, So just think about different things you could bring to the table. But it really could, you know, pay off for others. That's the way you make things work. And I hate to say it. I know as preppers, we like to be self-reliant. But building up that community of people who are like-minded and have the same type of goals with you is really going to, you know, help you get ahead and help you be more reliant, you know, more sustainable. Mm-hmm. And that's right. pretty right. much what, what I got. Yeah, what that's you got? all I got. Is there any, that's, that's all I got here. So um, I know you wanted to touch on some, uh, some, some, uh, some news topics. Yeah. Some news topics. Yeah. What's going on in the world. So I've been seeing, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I've been talking to the kids and we're listening to the radio and, and we're, we're hearing about uh, the Uyghur Muslims, right? Mm-hmm. And over in China. And I guess Pelosi went over to uh, England and was given a speech and was like, yeah, with China doing the, uh, you know, the, the harassment of the Tibetan monks and the persecution there and, and uh, the South China Sea. And she goes, and the continuing genocide of the Uyghur Muslims, those things are important, but not nearly as important as global warming. And that's the underlying issue that we need to continue to focus on. And I just find it odd that we can completely dismiss genocide and be like, oh, and my kid's like, wait, in school, they gave us the whole never again and how bad that is. And I'm like, yeah, but what mm-hmm. they mean is never again, unless it's hard. Um, right. China right. is a big military power, but you're telling me we can't get Europe behind. Hey, let's work against genocide. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like that could be a thing. Like if a couple of countries got together, maybe Germany wants to step up and put their name in the hat and be like, Hey, we'll stand up against genocide. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, these could be a thing, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know. I know there is yeah. a I think there is a little bit of a I'm not sure we'd, I'd have to go back and, and do some reading. But I think Germany does have a little bit of a history with that. So maybe they, uh, you know, maybe they would, would, you know, have something to say or something to think about that. Um, but, you know, that's that sort of stuff. I feel like there's a lot of. uh uh, a lot of people out there just, you know, sucking on the Xi Jinping, 
uh, Xi Jinping, yeah. you know, tea, and and they're happy to have that that you know those cheap products and that cheap stuff coming into their country, and they don't want to step that on any feet and cause great. any problems. Yeah, there's this. I mean, uh, hey, no, if, it, if it costs us Winnie the Pooh, then mm-hmm. to hell with Winnie the Pooh, right? That guy, he goes right. down. That's what that's what Disney said. They were like, "Oh, China uh-huh. doesn't like Winnie the Pooh. He's out. We don't need no care. more. There's out. no more Pooh Bear." You yeah, know, you're you're like oh bother and yeah no it's not gonna <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing I mean I know on this podcast we always kind of like to stick it to China because nobody else will and the cool thing is we have such a small audience audience that nobody cares but I don't know if you guys right. noticed that uh face Facebook is somehow taking a uh, a, a uh, I don't know a, a liking to our website or uh, our our Facebook group and Facebook page and feel that they need to maybe make it their target because now they have it that I have to have every, uh, everything on there has to be approved. But the problem is they have me doing the approving. So, I mean, Mm. that doesn't really end well. Yeah. I think they already, Uh yeah, I think they already banned you once. I'm already there. I don't know why they trust you there. I don't even, I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess I can approve it. Like I, it turns out I was the problem the whole time, but you know, what yeah. are you going to do? I, I'm still not allowed to comment. People are saying things and I'm like, Oh, I want to like that. And they're like, no, you don't have the uh, permission to do that. It's funny. I've been approving the, uh, all the comments. And every time I click it, it says, you don't have the authority to approve this. And then it shows up in the feed right after I click it. So I'm like, okay, uh, I guess I don't, yeah. but there it is. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I so now there's, there's, what do you got? as far as it goes to, uh, you know, tech giants, I think it would be uh, a miss to not mention uh, Google and Apple and their, their bullshit that they're pulling now. So, uh, there's an election going on right now over in Russia. I think I think it might have just happened yesterday. Um, and uh, uh, now Putin is, you know, I mean, he's basically dictator for life. I, they yes, they have elections, but he's not going to get voted out because anybody that, uh, you know, that runs against him ends up getting killed accidentally or falls out of a, you know, a, a 10 story window. Um but uh, Alexei Navalny is actually still alive and uh, still driving Russia crazy. Uh, he set up a app where you can go and figure out who would be best to vote for to defeat <clears throat> Unity Russia, which is Putin's party. Um, he set up the app here so any anybody that wants can go on there, get the app, and figure out who they should vote for in Russia. Uh, but Russia said – uh, asked Google and um, <clears throat> and Apple to remove the app, so they did. So you know, if you're wondering who's who's causing the censorship and that sort of stuff in Russia, it's Google and Apple. You have you know the the dictatorship in in Russia really has American companies to thank for their continued success. So just think about that when you're uh, when you're going on the App Store and and sending sending your uh, money over to Google and Apple. Just uh just something to think about. They used to have that Google used to have that um don't don't be evil in their uh motto, but 
that's that's gone now, and they decided that you no, can be evil. They're, they're down okay. for do evil. Okay. Yeah, if you, if you want to make money, if you want to make a lot of money, then you know doing evil is kind of part of that getting that getting that income. Well, that's that's uh, you know, it, it's pretty awesome when I mean awesome in a fucked up way. It's awesome in in the idea that it's unbelievable that uh, we have things like uh, that jackass Biden freaking uh, is on uh. The New York Post, they got a quote from him. It was actually from a show on uh, CNN that he did where when they asked him about the Uyghur Muslims and genocide, he said, well, that's China's normal. And he's representing the values of China and we don't understand their culture and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, and so wait, so by being so tolerant, we can be like, hey, you're cool with genocide. Cause that's what we need to do. We need to be tolerant, but nobody's noticing like, Hey, wait a minute. But China is not being tolerant of the Muslims. And right. But no, no, we're all about tolerance. Right. You know, well, I you just, have to be tolerant to me, of people that are intolerant also. Right. Right. And that's cause you know, that's not us. And the idea is like, people are like, Hey, well, you know, the reason they're doing it is cause, what China affects the world economy so much and China is such a a big military thing. But does that make it that you excuse shit like that? I mean, genocide, you're like, Hey, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Now again, I I do understand the idea of we can't be the world police, but um, let's not pretend where we are here and where we stand on this. And anybody, you know, it's funny because I, my kids were like, I never even heard of this. What are you talking about genocide? And, you know, who are these people? And, and why do you keep calling them weaker Muslims? Why are they so weak? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're missing it. But, you know, teach their own, right? Yeah. They thought it was yeah. just because I, mean, I was it's... so mean. And, and that's how I talk about Muslims. You know, I was like, well, yeah. no, that's not what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. there you have it. But yeah. if, if you have concerns, you want to tell Kevin about how he can stop genocide personally, um, mm-hmm. then maybe uh, shoot him an email at the prepping badass at, or it's just prepping badass at gmail.com. And you can hear more great ideas like this if you keep supporting us by maybe going to patreon.com slant prepping badass. And anything else, mm-hmm. Kevin? Any other concerns no, you got? No, for I think us? that's that's all that's all I got today. All right. So with that, stay safe and we'll talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self Defense Radio Network. Mm-hmm.